Welcome to this podcast. Today we are going to talk about parenting as a widow. We understand that today's topic is heavy and complicated, and we are joined again by a widow who is here to share her journey with all of us. Pam, would you like to introduce us to our guest today? I would love to. I want you to know this is Shannon Robinson. She's with us, and a real good friend of ours told us about Shannon as we were talking about the subject of widowhood, and they, she was like, you need to have Sharon on your podcast show. So it's just such an honor to have you, Shannon, here today. And Shannon is, um, she's a communications director at a local church here. Uh, She's also a realtor. She's a mom of three smaller children and with an amazing story uh, of what God has done in her life as a result of being a widow. And and I just want to say for you moms, we realize that a lot of moms that, that tune into our podcast come to us as single mothers, whether they're single again or whether they're a widow or maybe you've adopted a child or you uh, have never married or you're a grandmother raising children. But this is really something extra special when we can hone in on widowhood and hear from someone with such wisdom. So I'm thrilled to have Shannon today. So Shannon, thank you so much for coming yeah, in. We thank just, you for we having just me are again. so thrilled you're here. So you know what? I just want to start off by asking, just jumping in there with asking you a question about the kids because that's why our moms are listening today. That and that is, how did you tell your children that their father died, and what were their initial reactions? That was I can't imagine. It was one of the worst days I would say. Um, in my memory of this whole process and I was just I was 38 weeks pregnant with our third child and um, we found I found Chad passed away in our kitchen on a Monday morning and immediately our um, my in-laws came and got the other two kids who were older they they were three and two at the time so Samuel was just shy of four so he was an older three Mm -hmm. and then Lily was two and a half and um, just still in diapers tiny you know sweet little baby and loved her daddy fiercely and uh you know so for a couple of days I didn't have to address the issue but I was just sick about it I couldn't sleep mm-hmm. at night and mm-hmm. um you know I knew I had to tell them I wanted to do it um in the right way you know obviously to minimize any more trauma that I could and uh, one of the resources that I found was this book called how do we tell the children and mm-hmm. it's about just this and my dad found it for me I read some excerpts out of it and um one of the things that they strongly recommended was that you're brief, you're concise, and you're truthful, and you use words that they can understand. You don't you don't use concepts like they fell asleep or they got sick because that's confusing to children. Um, and you have to start the process of using hard words like died. And so they came home on a Wednesday afternoon, and um, I took them both in the bedroom and. You know, they're bouncing around. They know something's wrong because there's 75 people in our house and their dad's not there. And I'm crying. I've been crying. My face is swollen anyway on top of being pregnant. But, you know, I just looked them both in the face and I said, I'm I'm really sorry. I have to tell you that daddy's heart stopped working and he died and he's not going to come home. And, you know, they both looked at me and I just knew they weren't going to get it, but mm-hmm. I had to start the process of saying these words. And it was very difficult for me to say. My son's response was quite bizarre, which I've read was normal for that age. He said, oh, okay. And then he got down on the floor and started doing push-ups. Mm-hmm. And then he ran off. And Lily, my daughter, she um, 
she had seen a little bit of the trauma that morning when Chad passed away. So I think she was kind of a little bit more aware in her spirit that something was deeply wrong. And she just started crying. And I don't think she really even knew what died was, but she knew something was wrong with her daddy. And she was very upset about it. Shannon, were they able to, I know they're still younger and you're three years in, were they able to come to terms with his death? And if so, was, what was that process like for them? It it definitely was a process. That's the right word for it. Um, And something I mentioned in the other podcast was just that establishing the permanence of death was a long process. Um, Even for my son, who was about to turn four, and I would say it took them both about 18 months to really get the fact that he was gone and he wasn't coming back and you know it was we would have this conversation of daddy died without exaggerating 30 to 40 times a day Mm. I mean it was you know like I said daddy there's an apple daddy likes apples daddy died there's a white truck dad drives a truck dad died you know do you remember when dad would do this dad died you know just constant and you know you're in the middle of grieving and you you almost feel maddened by the the repetitiveness of it but then you know that you know they're trying to wrap their minds around what this even means and you know this is that we never had a pet we didn't have to flush a goldfish like no (laughs) we didn't know what death was in our family for them and um, it was a very big life lesson for them to learn so young it it is it is unimaginable how you were able to get through day after day saying the same thing over and over but the hard part about it and moms I know you understand as widows is that you're grieving too mm-hmm. not you're, you're not just personal grieving but you're grieving for them yes and then trying to hold it get together for them in the midst of hello laundry and lunch yes. and school work and trying to carry on so we deeply um, feel moms as you're listening the grief and the pain you're going through and want you to know we love you and we care for you and we come alongside you during this time and want to help walk you through this because we know there is a process to walk through and we want to help you do that so Shannon how did the death affect their behavior and do you feel like you know that your parent or that you disciplined differently because of it or how did you incorporate that it's tricky um you know, them being so young, it's like the grief shapes the way that they view the world. But it, I mean, on some aspects, they still act like rowdy three and four year olds, right? Um, three and two year olds at the time. And um, you kind of have to fill out whether they're having a grief moment or they're just being naughty, you know, if right. they're just being rambunctious. And that's something really you only as a parent can and can know because you're in tune with their grief cycle. And, you know, they went through a very drastic cycles different ones you know my daughter was sad for months and months and months and all she could do was cry about her daddy and part of that was her age you know she was so young that I mean she she didn't really even have words for her own feelings yet Mm -hmm. and she was experiencing such strong feelings so um and my son he had this very at first you know everything's going to be okay type of you know I would say that hero complex you know like he's going to be strong and brave for mom and um and he probably got a little bit of that from me because I was trying to be so brave and strong. And um, and they do. They mimic what they see. And but then, you know, they kind of shifted. And Lily came out of her lull of sadness. And then Samuel went into this kind of a very angry period of time mm-hmm. where he would just have these outbursts of rage. And 
and he was mad about everything. Everything made him upset. And, you know, um, he doesn't cry a lot like she does because he's male, I guess, but, um, he just, he was angry. And I know through, you know, just personal counseling, that anger is, is one of the signs of, of early depression and it manifests its, itself in that way. And, you know, so I did a lot of work talking to them, like, why are you so angry? You know, let's get to the root of your, of your, of your feeling. You know, we have to give your feeling a name and then figure out why you're feeling it so strongly. Is there a memory that's making you angry? Are you angry because you wish your dad could throw a ball with you? You know, just stuff like that. And, um, you know, sometimes people will see your kids, especially when it's months and months, they'll give them a pass at first, you know, for their behavior. But then after six or eight months, they're like, you know, you shouldn't, I let him act like that. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> You don't know what's going on here. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you have to discern whether this is grief related or it's it's age related. And you're really the only person that can do that. And um, you have to be strong about, you know, l- not letting other people encroach on your parenting boundaries. I mean, because you have to safeguard their feelings. And they've been through a lot. And I don't give them a pass for everything either. But um, I definitely, if it's grief related, we have more grace for it. You know, um, and my daughter's kind of figured that out because some days she'll be kind of having a bad attitude and she'll be like, I just miss my dad. And I'm like, are you saying that? Are you, do you really miss your dad? We know you do, but are you using that as an excuse because she's smart enough now? That is so good that you call her out on that. She knows she can't pull it over her mom. Yes. That is so good of you. Yeah. You're very wise in all this. I'm wondering, did you, were you able or did you use resources to help your children cope or did were you able to just you were just this wise you had this all figured out or did you find any great resources that you could pass along to our moms listening yes um there is this precious children's book I got it on Amazon actually one of my friends gifted it to me and it's called the goodbye book and it's very like rudimentary you know one line per page but it's about this little fish who loses his father fish and they just go through all the feelings in the book. They're like, some days you're happy. Some days you're sad. Some days you're angry. Some days you don't want to talk to anyone, but it, it gives their, their emotions a name, you know, and we read this book all the time for months. And it sounds silly that such an easy children's book could help them process their feelings, but I really feel like it, it did. And, um, and still to this day, you know, three years later, sometimes they get it out when they're feeling kind of sad. They're like, can we read our goodbye book? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yes, we can. Um, so I we use that, and I have some other books, um, children's books on loss. And then um, just a grief counseling center we went to that we still go to that was life-changing for my daughter because right about, a, I would say, a year and a half after the death, um, I just noticed that she was having a very hard time um, even talking about da- her dad and, um, you know, she would just shut down and, you know, she couldn't communicate about it, which expression is, is a part of processing your feelings. And I was starting to get really concerned. So, um, we looked into a grief counseling center that was family oriented and they did a lot of movement therapy. Um, they draw pictures, they, you know, they talk and they, they do like an intro and it's, it's so cute, but you know, my name's Lily. I'm here because my dad died, and today I feel sad. And just being able to say that um, is 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 great for a five year old. Mm-hmm. And being able to name your feeling and and share it it's it's life changing. It sounds so so simple, but it is. And I knew that um, we were really making a lot of progress with her. At one point, I was combing her hair in the bathroom mirror, and she looked up at me in the mirror, and she just said, "I wish my dad was here to comb my hair." Mm-hmm. 
And I just, I started crying tears of joy, really, because I was like, I had hope that this wasn't going to ruin her, you know, that she would be an adjusted adult because she could have a thought, recognize the feeling and process it, you know? And um, so just utilizing any of the the grief counseling resources available are so helpful and um, books and things like that shows there's TV shows um, and we're a very faith-based family. So we talk a lot about it and, and the context of God and, you know, our hope for seeing daddy again too. And that always helps them. I just want to ask you, because, um, you know, it's probably good sometimes when your children say something like that. You know, sometimes as moms, you need to be strong. But sometimes is it okay if you just break down a bit and say, honey, I miss him too. I mean, talk to the mom about saying, I just constantly break down. And so talk talk to her about that. Yeah, it's absolutely fine. You don't have to put on the strong face because... Your grief gives them permission to grieve, and they need permission to grieve. Um, How you process your feelings will show them how to process their feelings. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even on days where I'm um, I'm short-tempered, you know, or I'm feeling agitated because maybe it's our anniversary and they don't understand that, but I'm just anxious and sad and have all my own feelings. You know, there's been times where um, I've been maybe a little too harsh, and then later I've come back and I've said, you know, Samuel, I'm really sorry. I'm having a hard day. Mommy misses daddy a lot today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you put it on their level where they can understand it. You know, um, I'm just really sad and I shouldn't have said that or I shouldn't have, you know, lost my temper. But it's okay to to be human. You're not superhuman. You're human. And um, you have to give yourself permission and grace to deal with your feelings so you can help them deal with theirs as well. Exactly. So mom, listen here. Bottom line is this. Be gentle with yourself. Yes. Be gentle. You be gentle with yourself because this is a long, hard journey. There's no shortcut. There's no shortcut to cutting through the grief. You know, it will change as the years progress, but you need to give yourself grace this is a long and hard journey and reach out for help knowing that you are not alone. So just be gentle with yourself. And I'm sure you would agree with that. So Shannon, listen, um, I was wondering how has your grief changed here? You are three years later. Um, I know it's different or you wouldn't be able to be in here, uh, but how has it changed? It's progressed. You know, um, I would say the two, I'm not so much in that state of like horrible sadness like I was the first couple months. And then um, now I feel like I'm I'm at peace and I have found a way to mourn the loss and honor it, you know, um, in my special ways that gives me hope for the future. And, um, you know, we try to share that with my kids, too. So, you know, we're not we honor what we what we had and we love it and we cherish those memories but we also you know take that and look forward to the future and and trusting and knowing that um you know God's got good things for us in store too so it's it it changes in the in the sense that you know at first you're just stuck in this horrible sadness Mm -hmm. and then you're kind of almost in apathy and then you know you kind of get this glimmer of hope that things might be different and then you kind of latch onto it and it's really the hope that keeps to drive you forward i feel like for me and for my kids mm. shannon this is kind of a subject change but i think it goes along with that grieving and moving forward and the previous podcast that we did with you about being a new widow you had mentioned your son was asking santa for a new dad and you were like that's probably don't ask santa for <laughs> yeah. that i'm wondering 
how you are facing those conversations with your kids, how they are feeling about the idea of you ever dating or remarrying, or if that's something that you all talk about. Yeah, it's been an interesting um, progression over this year because I felt like earlier this year that, you know, in my spirit, like maybe I was ready for to date, you know, and at least I was open to the idea of it. And, but I knew my kids were not, you know, they were, and it's something I've never presented them with. Um, but I could just see it because my son would, was very resistant. He'd be like, I don't ever want a new dad. And then my daughter would be like, well, I just loved my daddy so much, you know? And I was, I told my mom, I said, you know, I'm really have to pray about this because I don't want to, you know, interject anything into their lives before they're ready for it. And I just know that, you know, God's going to work on their hearts too. So I've been praying for about the last eight months that God would just kind of massage their, their thinking about this a little bit. And just recently in the last two to three months, um, Samuel, he's had this drastic shift where he came home one day and he just said, when are we going to get a new dad? I think I would like a new dad now. And I said, oh, really? <laughs> what changed? Yeah. And he said, well, I just realized that I was afraid I would love my daddy less. And mm. that's why I was scared. But I really would like another dad. And I was just kind of like, okay, Lord, like this is like, do you have one in mind? (laughs) (laughs) You know something I don't know. Right. Um, And then Lily, too, she was she kind of got on the subject before Samuel even did it, which might have been why he was thinking about it. But she's like, I just want another dad to snuggle me, you know, because she was so close with Chad and. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I know they're not supposed to have favorites, but I think he was her favorite parent and <laughs> that's okay. Um, so it, they've definitely changed their thinking about it and they seem really open to the idea now because th- th- I think they're starting to see the benefits of what their other friends have. And, right. you know, when they have a real involved dad with their friend or, um, play dates and stuff, and, um, they're starting to dream and hope you know, that maybe they might have that again too someday, which is really a beautiful thing in my mind. It's it's a piece of healing for me mm-hmm. and less of a point of anxiety, you know, because it's something I do want and um, I, I would want us all to want it together. Yes, you know, um, honestly, today as I think about where you are and how far you've come, I know you still have challenges today, but what is your biggest challenge of being a widowed single parent today? Oh, man, I would say that has to be just the logistical aspects of juggling three children, working two jobs, and, you know, trying to balance everything else, their school, their homework. Um, You know, it's like if someone throws in an assignment, like even a little crafty thing to send back to school, it just throws a kink in my whole whole flow of life. It's very difficult um, to juggle all of the things. And um, that is practically my biggest struggle and, and then just not getting a break ever. And I would say that's probably different than, you know, most divorced parents that get maybe a weekend off every now and then, or it's more like that mom that's never been married, whose dad's never been in the picture. And, um, it's just, it's exhausting. It really Mm -hmm. is. Um, God bless my in-laws. They're, they call me, you know, probably at least once a month and say, Hey, we want to keep your kids. (laughs) And I'm like, Praise God in heaven. Because <laughs> if I don't get a break, I might yes, just freak out. Did um, you say you want to keep them from a month? Right. How long did you say? Yeah, they're so great for that. And um, you have to have some kind of support system like that in your life. I don't I don't know how I'd make it without those people. My dad and my own mom are very, very supportive too. They live really close to me. And if I didn't have someone to drop in and, 
you know what, I need to show a house or, um, you know, I, I pay babysitters to, so I can work and do other stuff too. But it's just really, really difficult and exhausting to manage it all, all the time yourself and not having that person to decompress with at night or, um, you know, talk about your day. You feel like you're, you hold all the feelings to your whole life, you know, wrapped up in, in you. And that, that's part of the exhaustion too, is you need someone to decompress with and you just don't have it sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Shannon, you talked a lot about your personal faith in our other podcasts, and I'm wondering if that faith plays any role in you parenting your kids. I know it played a huge role in your healing and your grieving and all of those things, but where does um, that faith come in to when it when it's you and your kids at the on Thursday night when you're at the end and that teacher sent that project home <laughs> and you're just like I just don't know if I can go anymore you yeah. know where's where does that play a role it it's it's the biggest role I think um and and what keeps me centered and focused on what I'm trying to accomplish which is to raise well-adjusted children who aren't permanently damaged by the loss of their father mm-hmm. and you know, what's the key to accomplish that? And it's always the scriptural truth of who God is and how much he loves them. And am I communicating that to them in everything I do? Am I being a good witness of that to them in everything I do and my struggles and and juggling life? And um, it's, it's very difficult to maintain an element of faith in your family when you're the only person doing it. Um, I have a lot of more respect now for single moms than I think I ever um, new to have before, you know, but it's really easy to just slack off of all the things. Cause you're tired. Like, I don't want to say bedtime prayers. I'm so tired. I don't, I, I can't, they're not even going to listen. If I read a devotional, what's the point, you know, um, you know, who cares if we eat at the table and say a dinner prayer, like they don't care. They hate what I cooked for dinner anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's so difficult, mm-hmm. but all those little things add up. They really do into a holistic view of what your family is about. And, um, that's something that I, I have to try so hard to keep at the center. And, um, luckily, like we have a great church family and a big support system in that area too. And I know I have people backing me up to help me, you know, communicate that to them, this element of faith and view of God. And, um, you know, we're really involved in our church. And I think that is what one of the big resources I utilize is the people in my church to help reinforce the concepts of faith with them. And, you know, and me, my gosh, like I work there, but I need to go and get refilled too. And, um, you know, every time I show up and there's someone there, you know, how are you doing? And I'm, I'm like, if you ask, I'm assuming you want to know the truth. So here's how I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And then usually people are like, oh, let me pray for you today. <laughs> and I'm like, Please do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, using that support system that you have. And if you don't, like there's, there's so many good churches around you, I'm sure of it. So find one and get plugged in. I love that. You know what, um, Shannon, in closing, I'm thinking about the single moms listening to this that are grieving, that are not yet where you are in the process and just want to know they're going to be okay. They want a word of hope. Um, they just, that they need to hear an encouraging word. And if I may, I just want to close by sharing, obviously, a word of hope and encouragement, but it, but it has a twist to it. And it has, I want to visit just a minute with what I've observed over the years with so many single mothers in the years we've had this ministry, uh, the loss, and it has to do with the reality of loss. Um, 
especially in the grief of losing a husband. So I, I just want to share what I've observed, and um, there's encouragement in it. And that is um, loss hurts like none other, and you think your heart will just will just will just stop beating. But I want to encourage you, moms, as you're listening. I know because I've seen it thousands of times. I've seen it in many people's lives, even in my own. But in time, this loss will subside a bit. And Christ will, I promise, rebuild your new life purpose around the loss you have suffered. Uh, Will it go away completely someday, you ask? Please say yes. No. How could it? You have children involved. So it can't completely go away. But it will, in time, take on a new reality of its own, one where God infuses somehow, miraculously, his comfort and his presence and his higher resolve somehow into the equation. It's hard to believe, but it's true. And you have shared that today, Shannon. Yes, you will. I promise, moms, listen to me. Hang on to this. You will be whole again, yet never the exact way as you were. Nor should you be the same because God is doing a new thing. Take heart. God is doing a new thing. Isaiah 40, 31 promises that when you place your hope in him, that in time you will soar on the wing of wings of eagles. You will run and not grow weary. You will walk and you will not faint. You will see life as you've never seen it before. And your children will see God's witness in you. Moms today, single mom, listen to me. You are brave. You are strong. You are an influencer over your children. And most of all, you matter. So take heart. And I want to close with Shannon's favorite verse that she mentioned in the other podcast. And it goes like this. It's from Psalm 27, 13 and 14. It says this, Mom, you can be confident in this, that you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living.